Good morning, Lakeside. You're at the right place at the right time to hear the gospel proclaimed this morning. Uh, Even though you're probably sitting at home in your living rooms, welcome to worship at Lakeside. We gather every Sabbath morning for one reason and one reason only, and that is to lift high the name of Jesus. As you are called to worship this morning, I ask you to join with me uh, in saying together what it is that we believe by professing our faith in uh, the triune God through the Apostles' Creed. So join me. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Good morning, church. I know our God is keeping you well. Um, Just a few things to note. Uh, First time, I think most of you probably know, but Lakeside is going to host a blood drive with the Mississippi Blood Services. It's going to be this Wednesday, um, April 8th, from noon until 6. Now, um, a a few things to know. We're we're trying to do this as as safe as possible. And so we're only going to have um, uh, two stations in the gymnasium. They'll be like 20 feet apart um, every half hour. And so really it's only going to be four people about every hour. And so between noon and and 6, there's going to be a total of about 24 folks. Now, the good news is I think all the play slots are filled. Uh, people called up just within the first few hours and filled them all. And, uh, but if that's something you would be interested in doing and you, you missed it, um, just let us know. Contact the office. Contact me, Tyson. Just let us know and say, look, if we get an opportunity to do this again, I, I, I would want to be a part of that. Um, there's just a real dearth of, of blood right now um, in the state. And I even heard uh, some uh, surgical procedures could not be done because they did not have um, have blood. Uh, so that's one thing. Note that also Good Friday among a number of the Reformed communions is a day of prayer and fasting. Uh, prayer and fasting for um, the church, not just the local church, but uh, Christ church, uh, for the world, for our nation. Um, and so it says a time sort of set aside for that. And so however God leads you to be able to participate in that, I really encourage you um, to be a part of that. Um, also, we do want to say really appreciate for those that are able to, to um, give of their tithes and offerings, either donating online, coming by the church, or sending it through the mail. We really appreciate that. And remember, uh, make sure you're checking your uh, Facebook, the, the Lakeside website, uh, the emails for information that's, uh, to keep you up to date with what's going on in the church.
Well, amen. Isaiah, the prophet, writes. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. You shall, you shall go out with joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we gather this day in the righteousness of your eternal Son, the heir of all things, the radiance of your glory, the exact imprint of your nature, he through whom the world was created, who upholds all things by the word of his power, who sits at the right hand of the majesty on high. In the name that is above all names, be merciful. You have made man for your glory alone, and yet all sin and fall short of that glory. Gracious Lord, we recognize that no sin is greater than that of unbelief. Give us eyes to see and hearts to grieve our unbelief. Strengthen our faith. Let us apprehend the earthly and the eternal benefits of being crucified, buried, and raised with Christ today and forever, joined to light and life. Let his abhorrence of sin be ours. His embrace of the cross be ours. His trust in his Father be ours. His joy in the will of God be ours. Father, that we would ask this is beyond audacious and even sinful in taking your name in vain, and yet, this is the inheritance of the saints, and we pray as you have commanded us. By the gift of faith, we are joined to Jesus. What he is is ours. We belong to him, and he belongs to God. Lord, be with us in our new circumstances. Be with our missionaries in their fears and sufferings. Keep them safe. Use these days as doors for the gospel they serve. Father, we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, who promised to be with us until the end of the age, praying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Church, the psalmist says, I will extol, extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. 
Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Amen. Good morning again, church. I want to jump right into the scriptures this morning. If you have a Bible at home and you're able to follow along with us, I encourage you to do so. We're going to be reading from a psalm of David today, a psalm of, of lament, uh, Psalm 6. Uh, before we read it together, let's have a word of prayer. Uh, God, to you be all the glory. In the name of Jesus, Father, teach us by your word, feed us by your word, sustain us by your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear now the word of the Lord. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you, and Cheryl, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. Church, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. And this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, we have a, a couple of really important things to talk about this morning the first thing is this, that everyone is talking incessantly about COVID-19. Currently in the state of Mississippi, we are under a shelter-in-place order. Our community is, we're wrestling with, with very real fears. The truth is that most people will survive if they get the virus. Most of us are going to be just fine. However, people who have some serious pre-existing conditions have, have shared with me their fear, their very real fear, that if they get the virus, they expect that it just might take their life. Almost everyone I know can, can point to somebody in, in their life uh, who, who if, if they would say that they're very valuable to them, then if that person gets the virus, it could take their life. And I've had that conversation like a, a hundred times this week. The other thing I'm hearing people say is that they're unable to see the people that they love. Um, and I get that. I, I miss my people too. But what makes it really hard for some people 
is, is like when you're a caregiver uh, for your spouse or you're a caregiver for your parents and all of a sudden you can't see that person anymore because either the nursing home or the hospital won't allow visitors or, or maybe they live at home and you just don't want to risk going and exposing them anymore to, to this coronavirus so you're having to just wave at them through windows and you can't see them anymore and you used to take care of them and do things for them but you can't anymore. There's it's such a loss. And I've had conversations with people who are processing this idea that hospitals aren't allowing in visitors anymore. And so those people who get sick with the coronavirus and eventually die are, for all intents and purposes, dying alone. At first, a lot of people made light of this virus. And no one seems to be making light of it anymore. There's a crippling fear that has overtaken our community. We've lost this illusion of safety and security, and we're all wrestling with with fear and anxiety. And now we're advised to not even leave the house without wearing a mask. And I know that part of the reason that people listen to sermons online is to find courage and to find optimism in all this. And I promise that we will get there eventually. But for a moment, can we just lament Can we just be honest about how horrible this is? About how much loss we're going to suffer? It's an interesting word, lament. It means a a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. For the Christian, lament is is when you come to God and you're honest with the Lord about your hurt and your disappointment. And I think some Christians have, have forgotten how to lament. Uh, we think that we always have to be positive. We think that we always have to be upbeat and that somehow to complain to God is weak or that it's faithless, that if we really trusted God, we wouldn't have any disappointment and we wouldn't really have any broken hearts. I, I honestly think that's foolish talk by people who don't understand the Scriptures because, quite frankly, the Scripture is full of people who are crying out in their heartbreak and disappointment before the Lord. One-third of the psalms in the entire Bible are psalms of lament. One out of every three psalms is expressing heartbreak or disappointment or fear. Take, for example, Psalm 13, 1 through 2. It goes like this. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I console in, or how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? I think a younger me would, would find the psalmist shallow. A dumber me would, would rebuke the psalmist for irreverence before God. Have faith and stop complaining, I might say. When, when, when Paul wrote to the younger Timothy uh, in 1 Timothy 3.16, this is what he said, you're all familiar with this verse, that all Scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and for training in righteousness. And if all Scripture is valuable for training in your righteousness, that, that includes the Psalms of Lament. That includes the Book of Lamentations. That includes uh, the prophet Habakkuk who cried out in Lament. And that definitely includes Jesus who lamented both in the garden and on the cross. 
So I, I want to say right off the bat today that if you're not in a good place, it's okay. If you're brokenhearted or disappointed, if you're a little scared or a little mad, it's okay. You, you don't have to pretend to be without hurt in order to be some sort of a super good Christian. If you've been trying to, to act tough, if you've distracted yourself with tasks or, or TV shows so that you don't have to feel these feelings, once again, let me say, it's okay to be disappointed or to be heartbroken right now. Lament is about being honest with God about your disappointment. What I want to do together this morning is to take a, a long look at, at how people in the, in the Bible express their lament before God. It feels like some of us probably need to grieve right now in this moment. And Scripture provides us a model for uh, how, to, how to do this. Uh, um, so, so let's look at this. Let's look together at some of the Psalms of Lament. If you have your Bible at home, you may want to follow along. I want to suggest to you that all the Psalms of Lament have a few things in common. Even though they're written by different people at different times with different struggles, there are similarities in all of the Psalms of Lament. First off, the first thing I want to say that through all the Psalms of Lament is that they're all very brutally honest. Uh, they start off with, with a broken heart that's, that's fully on display before the Lord. So let's look together at Psalm 6, which we read to start this sermon. Uh, this is a, it's a Psalm of, of King David. And it appears to be a psalm written in the midst of, of David's severe illness. So, I mean, there's a sense in which that's very fitting for the day. Let, let's take a look and I'll show you what I mean. We're going to look at verses 1 and 2. It starts like this. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. Uh, David describes his symptoms to the Lord. He says he's, he's faint. He, he says his bones are in agony. And so, so David begs for mercy for the Lord to heal him. And whatever David is expressing, it's not just physical. It also has a spiritual effect on David. So, so look at verse 3, and this is what he says. He says, uh, My soul is also greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? I don't know about you, but I, I could pray that prayer right now. That could be the most relevant thought I've heard all week. My soul is greatly troubled. The soul of our country is, is greatly troubled. The soul of our world is greatly troubled. But you, O oh Lord, how long? How long? Isn't that the same question that everyone seems to be asking right now? Lord, how long? David's asking, Lord, how long am I going to be sick? How long am I going to be faint and have this, this bone pain? Now, what are we asking in our homes today? What are you asking in your living room today? How long is this virus going to ravage our country? How long, Lord? Lord, really, we want to know how long. What happens after two more weeks of isolation? Or what happens after 30 more days of social distancing? And no one knows. That's one of the worst things about all this. We don't know how long it will last. You know, time is always of utmost concern in the middle of our suffering. How long are we going to have to suffer? When you send a kid to time out, 
Uh, what do they want to know? Well, how long do I have to go in there for? When you sentence a man to prison, what is he probably mostly concerned with? How long am I going to go to prison? When Pastor Andrew Brunson, who we've talked about a lot in our faith community, was an, was an EPC pastor serving in Turkey, and he was sent to prison for his faith. He was arrested. He was held captive in prison for over two years. Uh, I heard him speak a, a year ago, and, and, and what he said was that one of the worst parts of the entire ordeal in prison was that for most of his two years in this Turkish prison, he believed that he was serving a life sentence and that he would be stuck in prison for the rest of his life. Can you imagine how much worse your day would be in prison if you thought this is going to last forever versus thinking just, just a few more months, just a few more months? It's, it's a matter of hope. It's different for, to have hope when, when you have an expectation of deliverance or escape. And, and here's what I know, my friends who are, who are listening back home. Uh, I know that we will be delivered from this. In life or in death, we will see glory. But I don't have many more answers for you on this, on how long this season could be. No one seems to have answers for how long this season will be. And so I want to suggest that we all do as David did, and we ask the Lord in lament, Lord, how long? How long till you deliver us? The thing I want you to notice again is is this. There's a There's a sense of raw honesty in the prayers of lament. Take, for instance, Psalm 22. It's it's another prayer of lament. The psalmist says this. And you're going to recognize this when it's familiar. He says, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. What the psalmist is saying is, God, you feel like you're so far away right now. It feels like you're forsaking me. It feels like you're you're not answering me, like you've abandoned me. Why aren't you saving me? Some of you might have grown up in, in, in faith traditions where a prayer like this from the psalmist might seem to you as improper, where it would be seen as inappropriate to speak such words to the Almighty. I love that scene in... In the Robert Duvall movie, The Apostle. Have you, have you seen that movie? It's, it's a very interesting movie. Robert Duvall is one of my favorite actors. He plays a preacher, and the preacher that he plays is a, is a far from perfect preacher, a character that I can relate to in my own way. Uh, he's a sinner. He, he uh, is a womanizer. He's a hothead at times. His theology is less than perfect at times. But as you watch the movie, you still get this idea that, that, that his character loves God and knows God well. And in one scene, Robert Duvall's character is upstairs, and he's praying, and he's just screaming out to the Lord. And and the neighbors are calling in to complain to to his to his mother. He lives with his mom, and they're calling in and saying, "Is there a madman in your house? What is happening?" I wonder. Have you ever been praying so loud to God that the neighbors have had to call? Probably not. But but here's what Duvall's character says. He says this to the Lord. He says, "I'm going to yell at you because I'm mad at you." I can't take it. I want you to give me back my wife, and you won't, so give me peace. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. I don't know who's been fooling with me, you or the devil. I'm confused. I'm mad. I love you, Lord. I love you. But I'm mad at you. 
Now, I don't think this movie is the best place to learn how to pray, but I don't see anything in his prayers that I don't see in the Psalms of Lament. He, he's hurt, and, and he's broken, and he's mad, and he feels abandoned by God. That's how Psalms of Lament start. Unfiltered cries to the Father. But listen, this is not how Psalms of Lament end. You hear me? The, the Psalms of, of Lament begin with casting your burden and frustrations upon the Lord. So, so we'll just call that step one. Step one is casting your burdens and your frustrations upon the, the ones or upon the Lord. It, step one is, is you cry out to God. You say things like, God, I'm afraid. God, I can't even see my family right now. Uh, God, save me. I mean, th this, is, this is what this is about. Uh, step one is, is, is saying, how am I supposed to pay my mortgage? How long, O oh Lord, will this go on? Why are you so far from saving me? That, that's an honest start for a prayer of lament in our current climate. But what happens next in biblical prayers of lament is that at some point, the person stops just venting. They, they stop just kind of complaining and being honest and raw, and they turn the corner from raw grief, and they begin a, a new step of petitioning the Lord for his mercy and for his saving. So, for instance, in Psalm 6, which we've been looking at, David's sick, and he says he's faint and his bones ache and his soul is troubled. We remember that. And he wonders why God is allowing all this. But after he gets all that out of the system, after he's very raw and honest, David's able to move on and to ask God for mercy. Here's what he says in verse 6-4. He begins to ask God for mercy. He says, Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. David has a real belief that God can and will deliver him. That's a result of being a man of faith. David believes God will hear his prayers and save him. What about you? What do you need to move beyond lament, beyond just your unfiltered pain and grief, and begin to ask God for rescue, to begin to pray for deliverance today? It's a small step of faith, really. People who believe in a weak God might still be able to yell at him. People who believe a God is make-believe might still need someone to blame when tens and thousands of people die alone in hospitals. But if you believe in a, in a good God who has the power and the love to deliver, you will move beyond just cries of deliverance to say this, save us, Lord, Save your people. Save us from the invisible, microscopic enemy. Deliver us from death. Deliver us from fear. That's the first transition of a prayer of lament. You'll go from casting your cares and burdens upon God to begging God for mercy. Let's see that transition in another psalm. Look at Psalm 10.1. He starts out like this. He says, Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in troubles? That's the honesty. That's the pain. That's the lament. And eventually the psalmist gets it all out. And if you've ever read Psalm 10, you know there's a lot. Uh, he, he's lamenting about evil. He's, he's lamenting about inequality. He's lamenting about violence. But eventually the psalmist makes the turn. 
to trust God and to ask God for rescue. Look, look at Psalm 10, 12. This is where it happens. He says, Arise, O Lord, O God. Lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. God, come and rescue me. And we could go through all the Psalms of lament, and in every one of them we would see a turn from anger and petition and a turn from venting to actually begging God for mercy. And yet there's, there's even more that God's going to do in our hearts when we take our burdens to him. There's one more turn before all this is over. The first turn is from lamenting to asking for help. The second turn is from asking for help to declaring your trust in the Lord. So here's what happens. After, after you actually get to the point where you ask God for mercy, the psalmist always ends up proclaiming their trust in the Lord and worshiping and praising his name. So let's go back to where we started in this Psalm 6 that we've been working on. David's sick. He laments about it to God. He makes the first turn and he begins to, to beg God to deliver his life. And, and what's kind of funny is um, David's a real guy. And so he kind of slips even for a moment back into lament. He's got more things he needs to lament. And, and so let's read those again in, in verse 6 and 7. He says this, I'm weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with my tears. I drench my couch with weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. But watch here, David's going to make the turn. He's going to turn to trust and worship. And it, we're going to find it in verse 8. He speaks to the world. He speaks to those who would come after him. He says, depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sounds of my weeping. For the, the Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my, my prayer. And, and I feel like this morning when I read that, I feel like I could be a good old-fashioned revival preacher with that text. I feel like I could get into some health and wealth. Get away from me, you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard my plea. He's heard my weeping. He's heard my prayer. These are statements of, of trust and, and praise. These are the words of a, of a man of great faith who is praising the God he knows is mighty to save. I told you that it's okay to lament. And, I, and listen, I stand by that. It is, it is okay to lament. I believe lament is biblical. I believe that it's healthy. And, and listen, I caution you against judging anyone who finds himself in a season of lament right now. Let them have that. But let them have that before the Lord. It's not always a sign of little faith when we lament before the Lord. However, when I, when I look at the biblical pattern of lament... It seems like God doesn't leave us in lament forever. It seems like he leads us from, from lament to cries of desperation, to, to begging for his deliverance, to asking for his help. And then he moves us again from a place of begging for deliverance to a place of trust and worship. That being said, pain has a way of coming back again tomorrow and tomorrow you may be right back in lament. And that's okay. Lament again. Cry out again before the Lord. Tell the Lord how you feel again. Be honest and raw. And move on to ask for God's deliverance again. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, find yourself trusting and praising the goodness of the Lord. This is, this is the way out of hopelessness. When you pray for God's deliverance, you will find hope. 
Now, what does this mean for our country? First, I, I would call you to lament before the Lord. Come to the Lord with your pain. Cry out to the Lord over the lives lost. Cry out to the Lord over those who are sick. Cry out to God, how long, Lord? Secondly, don't, don't stop with lament. Please, for the sake of the world, ask God for help. Ask him to help all those who are sick. Ask him to help those who are on ventilators. All those who are frail and afraid that, to get sick because this could really be bad for them. Ask God to spare caregivers. Ask him to deliver those who have lost their jobs. We're in a tough spot. Please petition and beg God to deliver our world. Um, and, and do it till your knees are sore. Third, once your laments turn into cries for rescue, once you petition God, trust God. Praise God. I, here, here's what I want to do together this morning. Let's just have a time of lament together. Let's just have a time of prayer together. Will we follow this biblical model of, of lament and cry out before the Lord? Will you, will you join me in prayer? Lord, we are locked up. We're not free to wander and go. Our schools are empty and our hospitals are full. We're scared of, a, of an invisible, microscopic virus that can be on anything or anyone we touch. So we're isolated. And it's awful. People are dying, and, and it's awful. Families are separated, and it's awful. How long, O oh Lord, will we not meet as your church together? How long, O oh Lord, until we are not a danger to each other? We cry out to you, Lord. Save us from our enemy. Save us from the disease that is so close. Deliver our nurses and doctors and healthcare workers. Spare our parents and our grandparents. Heal our sick. Deliver a cure. Not just from a virus, but from the sin in all men's hearts. Let the world know that God is mighty to save. Let the world know that God does provide a cure to all that leads to death. Christ Jesus, you are for us the great cure for death and sin. You are our only hope in this life and the one to come. You are enough. Even if the economy crumbles, even if our health fails, even if our loved one dies, Jesus, you are enough. And we trust your ways. You are the spotless lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. According to the riches of your steadfast love and for your glory, heal your people. Amen. Church, it's okay to not be okay.
But as you study the Psalms of Lament, and I encourage you to do so too and to pray through those, I pray that the cries of your heart would turn to pleas for rescue. And your pleas for rescue would leave you in a place of trusting in God and in worshiping his name. Go now and take with you the love of God, the grace of Christ Jesus' Son, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit until we meet again. We've been gathered around our screens to gather around the Word of God. And in a way, in a very real way, we've been the church gathered. I miss you. I want to be with you in the flesh. But until then, be the church gathered. Amen. Amen.